Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, and welcome to the Times Business Podcast, where we take a look at the events that will be making news in the coming days. I'm Richard Fletcher, business editor of The Times, standing in for Robert Miller. It's going to be a big week for the city's economists with the latest inflation data on Tuesday and unemployment figures on Wednesday. So we've got Catherine Hopkins, former Treasury wonk, here to talk through the numbers. With a takeover panel deadline looming, Dominic Walsh is here to talk about AB InBev's bid for SAB Miller. But the week starts with MPs on the Transport Select Committee quizzing Volkswagen's UK Managing Director on the diesel emissions scandal. He's quizzed again on Thursday by the Environment Audit Committee. Bob Lee, our industrial editor, is here. So, Bob, apart from the usual grandstanding, what can we expect from these select committee hearings? I think we can expect the usual grandstanding. It's almost uh, such an important issue that we've actually got two investigations going uh, side by side, the uh, the Transport Select Committee and uh, the Environmental Audit Committee, which uh, people may be less familiar with. The VW uh, UK chief, uh, Paul Willis, will be up. Um, I suspect he'll get the whole load of questions in uh, uh, in both sessions. Uh, what will he be able to answer? I mean, his answer surely has to be that he knew nothing because otherwise he incriminates himself or incriminates the company. Th- th- there's some serious questions that need to be answered. I suspect we won't necessarily get many of the answers. Uh, but alongside Paul Willis, the VW uh, MD, is Mike Hawes from the uh, SMMT. That's the Society of uh, Motor Manufacturers and Traders. And people want to know uh, whether this is just a VW issue. Mike Hawes' line all along since the uh, scandal broke is that uh, there is no evidence that uh, any other manufacturers are, are up to this. There's a lot of question marks about that. And of course, um, Patrick McLaughlin, the Transport Secretary, will be uh, quizzed as well. And he's already calling for a change in the rules, which plainly there needs to be a change in the rules if uh, people like VW can cheat them. McLaughlin's made this point of actually calling for them now. These these rules should have been changed a long time ago. It's the difference between laboratory testing and the difference between uh, what the uh, the real on-the-road emissions of these vehicles are, and that's the sort of information we need. So so a couple of weeks into this uh, scandal, do we have any idea... Yet, how serious this is for VW? Do we, have we, you know, and, and all the sort of other questions about how high this went up? I mean, how how, how much more do we know than we did at the start? There is a serious brand reputation issue for, for VW here, but there are uh, analogies to be drawn uh, with the Toyota situation in 2010, uh, with uh, multiple recalls that they had, 9 million vehicles they had to bring back in. It's a fact that in 2015, Toyota remains the biggest selling car manufacturer in the world. VW can overcome this, but there has to be levels of transparency. I think the difference between this and uh, and Toyota is that people really aren't believing whether um, uh, VW being truthful about this. If VW can actually come out, be transparent, they can they can repair that brand damage. 
And 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 listeners, you've got a diesel VW. What should they be doing? Well, they've been. Uh, it's been said that uh, there's going to be 1.2 million vehicles recalled by Volkswagen uh, in the UK next year. Uh, what that will mean is that if you actually do own uh, that vehicle, you will be uh, asked to go into your showroom. And they're, they're saying that there can be a software change or for, perhaps for older vehicles, a hardware change. But what it means in those dealerships is it's a chance for those salesmen to actually basically sell you a new car. And if they can sell you a new car at the same sort of monthly payment for what you actually pay at the moment, it's a bit of a no-brainer. You'd, 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 you'd sign up for a new car, wouldn't you? You would, but you've got to be quite a salesman, haven't you? You've dragged me in for a change, and then you actually managed to flog me in. Well, yeah, I mean, you can say, okay, right, you can't have your car for five days, um, and we're just going to readjust your old car, or we can have you a brand new car, lots of fantastic new infotainment, parking sensor technology, uh, and probably better miles for the gallon. I mean, that's not a bad sell, is it? And that's what they're in the game for. It's not, and I definitely need parking sensors. Um, thanks, Bob. So, Tom, it's a big week for AB InBev and SAB Miller. Just talk me through, what is this takeover panel deadline? How, how does it work? Well, the takeover panel, whenever a bid approach is made, will impose a formal deadline, it's normally about a month, for a formal offer to be met, to be actually put on the table. So when AB InBev's interest became known and was confirmed by both sides, the takeover panel intervened and set a deadline of next Wednesday. And, and and so they have to either they have to either table a bit or they have to walk away. What is it? Six months these days. Six months. Yeah, absolutely. They would be able to come back after six months. But I mean, the thing is, they've been looking at this company for for the best part of five and a half years. So they've obviously decided that this is the moment to pounce. If they don't do it now, it, it feels as though it's not going to happen. And and what's your bet at the moment? How do you see this playing out in the coming days? Do you think they'll they'll take an offer directly to shareholders and go as we as we describe it, go hostile? It's always a possibility, but it feels like it's a very complex kind of company to actually go hostile on because the nature of global brewing is there's lots of agreements and joint venture partnerships all over the world, and SAB Miller probably more than any other brewer has fostered those arrangements over a number of years and has built good relations. So for somebody to come in in a hostile fashion. And, and, you know, sort of ride roughshod over the, 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 uh, what the board of SAB Miller actually wants to do would, would make it very difficult for them to, uh, to, to sort of maintain a, a profitable company. And obviously it's like complicated because of the way the offer is structured. But we're basically at the moment we're, we're at about £43 a share, aren't we? Is that right? Well, it's £42.15 is the headline number, but it's actually a, the eventual number will have to be higher than that because, I mean, it's just not high enough. And what do we think they'll have to come in at to win this? Well, I mean, SAB Miller has today doubled the expected cost savings they expect to make over the next few years. And analysts are saying that's worth £2 a share. So at the very least, they're going to have to up the offer by £2, I would have thought. But, I mean, even that doesn't appear to be enough. The noises that are are coming from the SAB Miller camp are are looking like sort of £46, which would be sort of, you know, £4 more than that. And and, and what's your gut feel at the moment? Do you think think SAB Miller will see them off? It's a difficult one. I mean, SAB Miller will definitely want to see a higher price on the table. Carlos Brito, the CEO of AB InBev, has insisted all along that he's going to maintain financial discipline and that he's at the limit of his financial discipline on on this one, that he can't put any more on the table. But, I mean, they're going to have to. Uh, It's just not high enough. Jan Duplessis, the chairman of SAB Miller, is a a hard-nosed individual. He's going to insist on something of at least £46, I think. Whether they meet in the middle is difficult to say, but it's, it's it's a tricky one to call at this point in time. Bob, you've covered quite a few of these bids uh, over the years, like me. What's your gut feel at the moment? Do you think uh, SAB Miller are going to manage to see them off? It, 
it's a difficult one. I think um, uh, there's a lot of questions for consumers. I mean, uh, I know you prefer your red wine, but I mean, there's, a, there's those of us who do like a, a drink. What is it actually going to mean for people uh, uh, like uh, perhaps me when I go to a pub? I mean, they're going to have such market dominance. I mean, is my pint actually going to go up in price? Does a red wine not count as a proper drink? Is no, that it? it doesn't count as a proper drink. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so so we, over the next couple of days, we will, we'll see a, a, a war of words, won't we? we yes. We've started to see one announcement a day uh, up until this point. So basically they'll step up the war of the words and, and, then, and then we come to Wednesday and they'll either table an offer that's acceptable or they'll have to walk away. Yeah, I guess that's right. But I mean, actually, Bob makes a good point. I mean, is the consumer going to benefit from this? Uh, no, definitely not. And, and the combined group would have something like one in three pints? Almost is... one in three pints made globally, which is ext- astonishing, isn't it? That's an extraordinary dominance. Extraordinary dominance. Excellent. So, finally, Catherine, it's certainly a busy week for economists. Uh, we get inflation on Tuesday and then we get unemployment later in the week. The minutes from the latest MPC meeting show they had a soft outlook on inflation and, and they don't expect it to return to its 2% target until the spring of 2016. Is that, is, that, is that the general consensus? Yes, yeah. So inflation figures for August showed that the rate came in at zero. And um, while some economists think it could have dipped back into deflationary territory in September and others think it could have risen ever so slightly, the general consensus is that it will stay low for a long time and it probably won't reach its 2% target till about 2017, which will ease pressure on the bank to raise interest rates. Are we going to have, I mean, these days we have a choice, don't we? We could either have inflation, noflation or deflation. What's what's the city betting on for this week? So I think it's slight deflation at minus 0.1%. So that, that will just give the bank a bit more leeway to actually look at what's happening in the economy at home and the global economy before making a decision. And I've, I gave up a long time ago on Mark Carney's policy of forward guidance and found it extremely unhelpful. But he's tried again um, at the IMF's annual meetings in Lima in Peru. And he said last night that the um, timing is now just a tactical issue, but Britain is all but ready for a rise. So what that means exactly is anyone's guess. This is good deflation, isn't it, rather than bad deflation? Because it's actually we're not—it's not affecting consumers. Consumers aren't putting off purchases on the basis that prices are going to be low. The stuff that's falling—you have to buy now. No, not at all. And um, it hasn't affected wages, and wages are starting to creep up slowly. And we should see more evidence of that in the labour market statistics out on Wednesday. Yeah, so we have the unemployment numbers you mentioned there. I mean, they were once a sort of key metric for when rates would rise. And obviously the Fed in the US uh, are hanging a lot on signs of recovery in, in, in the labour market. And some people think those disappointing job numbers a couple of weeks ago were one of the reasons they decided not to raise rates. So what, what are we expecting from the, from the labour market statistics? So not the last set, but the set before, it was quite gloomy. But most people think that was a blip because it picked up the following month and we're expecting to see more of the same this month. And that's just expected to get stronger. As you mentioned, Mark Carney, when he first joined the bank as governor, originally set the first rate rise to uh, the unemployment rate falling to 7%. But that has since fallen to around 5.5%, I think, at the latest reading. So I think the bank's looking at sort of a plethora of data, not just the labour market statistics, to make the rate decision. And what's our current betting on when 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 our mortgages might get more expensive? <laughs> 
At the moment, I think it's the middle of 2016, but you know, these things change all the time. So some people are saying it could even be 2017. So don't fix quite yet. Well, thank you. That's all for this week. We'll be back next week when you'll be pleased to know I'll be back answering the questions, not asking them. Don't forget, if you want to hear us weekly, you can subscribe through iTunes. My thanks to Bob, Catherine and Dom. Catherine and Dom are on Twitter, and so am I. So do follow us. Thanks for listening. Thank you for downloading. To discover more, head to thetimes.co.uk. Your History is a new podcast brought to you from The Times, and it brings together the real-life stories from our obituaries desk, which have been published for over a century. In this brand new show, we build on this legacy and explore the endlessly fascinating lives who have enriched and informed our own. Join me and our sponsor, Ancestry, as we journey through your history. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. (laughs) (laughs) You will be right. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. (laughs) This was like wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, (laughs) you, you were different. Like you were real different, bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.